0: Welcome to the Battleground, Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the WD Director here at Citizen Action. And welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel actually all in the recording office studio, uh, which means Rebecca Lynch from the Wisconsin Working Families Party is with us. Rebecca, good to see you. Good to be here, Matt. And Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert.
1: Good day, everyone.
0: So we have a number of things we want to talk about. It's a little bit of a mix of some more national stuff. We're, we've been a little more national because of uh, obviously we have important presidential things, and we're in a sort of a bit of a his, historic uh, crisis, I would say, uh, at the uh, presidential level. But um, we're going to talk about healthcare today. Uh, we record on Thursdays, and today President Trump is announcing his new Medicare plan. He's, you know, we'll we'll talk more about that. Um, we're going to talk a bit more about impeachment. We'll talk uh, particularly. We want to talk about Ron Kind. He's Becoming a bit of a unique figure within the party in terms of uh, still not in support of impeachment, uh, but we'll talk talk more about that. Also, want to uh, talk about a visit by Sonny Purdue, the uh, Trump's AG Secretary, here to Wisconsin. Let's um, let's start, folks. Uh, big deal, um, Democrats. We've talked a lot about health care on the show. Um, but Democrats have, even even the weakest of them running, actually reform plans, and we have a, you know, whether it be defending Obamacare and expanding it all the way to Medicare for all, have real serious, what you might call um, systemic approaches to health care, whereas the Republicans have had nothing. And so Trump is coming out here with something to sort of counter. Uh, with a Medicare for all plan, but uh, this this is uh, fairly traditional. Looks like a lot of privatization. Robert, we're going to turn to you first on this for some of the basic facts of what we believe will be presented. But then let's we'll dive right into the politics because this is all politics.
1: Maybe it's helpful to just quickly bullet the the whole factual yes. history here. Factual history here is is that Trump was elected on getting rid of Obamacare damaged his party incredibly, trying to do it.
0: And that he would lower health care costs. He right, really right. ran on that.
1: Right, but then lost the 2018 election on it because of the incredible backlash against Trump Care. It, it cost them House of Representatives. It helped cost them Scott Walker, or give a, get rid of Scott Walker as my progressive standpoint. And at, afterwards... Uh, recently, more recently, he uh, started—by the way, he continues to try to sabotage the Affordable Care Act. He is part of the Texas lawsuit to still get rid of the Affordable Care Act. So, And William Barr, as attorney general, is pushing for the case to mean that the whole thing is abolished. It's likely to be a bad decision at the federal appellate court level, so it's going to go to the Supreme Court. So the attempt to throw 20 million people off health care continues, and the attempt to sabotage it continues. Uh, but in addition, he, under pressure last year, came out with this claim that they'd ha- be announcing a really good plan soon, and the Senate had one. And then Mitch McConnell said, oh, no, 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 we don't have a plan. And he said it was a secret plan that we'd learn about after we re-elected him, but it's going to be great. This is a paraphrase. Uh, and now uh, they still seem to be worried about the top electoral issue and alarmed by what's happened. Democratic primary. So we have an announcement. We're recording before the announcement, but we probably, given the leakiness of the Trump administration, know everything. That's gonna be at a retirement village in Florida. So this is a play for seniors.
0: This is the protect your mama. Wait, what? Protect your <laughs> <Yeah>. grandmama
1: <laughs>
2: what? and yeah.
1: grandpapa from socialism <laughs> presentation. So a lot of it, some of it has window dressing like his Allegedly, we do something about prescription drug prices, though we know he won't, and in fact, he will not join uh, Nancy Pelosi's strong position drug plan that came out a couple weeks ago. And so part of it is to bash at Medicare for All and say there's a socialist threat, but part of it actually is kind of to double down on fear, because Medicare for All, if Elizabeth Warren, who's... According to Las Vegas, the odds-on favorite now—we were looking at the odds this uh, morning—to be the Democratic nominee, if she is the nominee or or Bernie's the nominee, then you can scare seniors that you're dramatically changing Medicare, because it would make Medicare much broader and a different system, right? And the thing is, and this is where there's some, remember, Trump knows propaganda. He could be can- a wily, canny guy, right? And has outsmarted the establishment many, many times. And the best public in the world in the 2016 election, assembled by Hillary Clinton, he outsmarted ultimately, right? Um, is that Medicare Advantage, the privatized part of Medicare, really is kind of a dagger at the heart of traditional Medicare, which put in by uh, george uh, H, George W. Bush. Um, it's it's insurance run. They're able to market and get people into it. Uh, in, and out of, out of traditional Medicare, it's about forty percent of the market. There are abuses in it. There are a lot of illegal denials of claims. And by the way, the only reason it hasn't been more abusive is—it costs more, by the way— uh, is because uh, you know the, of the fear of, of the regulations that were put in, in order to pass it. But the point is that Medicare for All would get rid of Medicare Advantage, the pure Bernie position. So I think he really is trying to set up to t- scare the living hell out of seniors. Yeah. But in addition, he his plan— actually gives Medicare Advantage plans a lot more flexibility which really is the road towards privatizing that, Medicare yes, and eventually having a system where where seniors are at the behest of what insurance companies do or don't want to cover.
0: Yeah, this is clearly a privatization. This is yeah. a so this is quintessential kind of classic republicanism and the push to privatize medicare but you're right robert this is all about scaring seniors and you can terrify and, and,
1: them if they're on medicare advantage or they think some choice they could have is taken away so look, this is a real political threat
0: this is this is one of those things where anyone under the age of 50 is going to be kind of laughing at some of this like anti-socialist right. kind of over the top red scare stuff but with older folks, they—that's like still—that was potent political messaging. Probably still is. You add it with a dose of they're going to take your Medicare away. You've got the healthcare um, death panels all over again, where you can have people, literally seniors, convinced that. Um, that this is going to take Medicare that they're protecting, he's protecting Medicare by not supporting Medicare for all. Like it'll be a really twisted logic. Uh, but you're also, Robert, your point about the privatization of Medicare. So we're really when you when you change Medicare, you are going after the private private side. Rebecca.
2: Um, so Robert, for example, Reuters has a story out this morning, and the headline is Trump to unveil order aiming to boost Medicare health program, woo seniors. Would you consider that, like, not a completely honest headline?
1: We haven't actually seen the plan, but he's actually cut money out of the Medicare trust fund. Uh, he, it seems to be that he's going to strengthen, uh, give insurance companies more authority under Medicare Advantage, and he's going to make this promise he's going to import drugs from Canada. It's very unclear that he's actually going to do that. So I would say, not having seen the details of the plan, there's very little evidence he's going to strengthen it. I would say strengthening Medicare Advantage is a dagger at the heart of Medicare because eventually you're going to have private insurance run healthcare, which is figuring out how not to cover things that are expensive. It's heavily marketed. Part of the reason that 40% of seniors, I think I have the number right roughly, are in it is because my, my mom, who... Is is a socialist, and therefore would never side from Medicare Advantage. Every darn it seems like constantly, every time she has interactions with health professionals, people are being paid to pitch it to her, and she's made to sit in a room and hear this pitch. So they're like hard selling yeah. seniors to go over to this great Humana plan or this great United Healthcare well, plan.
0: Robert, I, you know the little <laughs> bit I've read, the actual details about what they're doing is it's all stuff to make cuts. So yeah. this is all going to be tinsel on the top about fear. And all, they're gonna make it sound like they're investing, but like they're they want to do increased telehealth services so they can keep people out of doctor visits, right? Like that that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But that's all about trying to cut costs. There's other things where they're gonna allow you to get parts of the deal if you convince other people to oh, yeah. to go to back. lower
1: cost plans. There's a kickback. Seniors could share in the savings. Yes. So that's uh, yeah. I mean
0: this is all stuff that like actually is about reducing costs and there's nothing about like improving people's access or coverage. It's it's really unbelievable, but it's brilliant,
1: brilliant. And there's the carrot, packaging. the carrots, tinsel as Rebecca you were asking, right? The stick is real in the sense that loss aversion is hardwired in the human brain, and we will be telling if we try to pass Medicare for all as written by Bernie and supported by Elizabeth, we will be ta- telling hundreds of millions of seniors or uh, that they have to leave Medicare Advantage, and we're putting you back in something else. And they'll be, and they'll also make medi- people in Medicare traditional Medicare feel like it's a whole new system. Leah Vukmir tried to do that Temmy Baldwin successfully, but kept saying she was trying to abolish Medicare, and that will create a certain amount of fear, and seniors vote more than younger people.
2: A lot of mixed metaphors with the carrots tinsel there. There <laughs> um, yeah, you go, know, true. <laughs> I think we only have a minute left, but uh, I'm curious, so this is an executive order, um, how much How much damage can President Trump do via executive order and not having to go through Congress on this? I haven't
1: seen a good analysis of that. That's a great question. Uh, I would say that, you know, all bets are off with what the law says or doesn't say with this president. He has William Barr, his his government personal attorney, to interpret the law for him, and a U.S. Supreme Court that's only slightly more reasonable than the Wisconsin State Supreme Court, which simply rubber stamps what Republicans do. So... I think that that comes with the text of the executive order, but I've not seen a good analysis yet.
0: It's my understanding that he had like Yeah, we, we got to take a break. I want to talk more about this after the break. You're, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin for Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are talking about Trump announcing today that uh, he's going to save your your grandma and your grandpa from socialist destruction. uh, (laughs) That is Medicare. Um, So, and we're getting into some uh, talking a little bit more about the details. But Robert and Rebecca, I don't know, but it's my understanding that his budget for 2020 has like cuts to Medicare in it. I'm guessing all this is is this is how he helps part of paying for some of those cuts. Uh, that if you're through through some of these programs in order to make his budget work but my guess is this isn't much of anything other than politics this is all politics it's an opportunity for him to get out and start to shape a slightly different narrative around health care because um, there, there's nothing huge in here you know and, and as you mentioned it's executive order so there'll be limits to it i'm
1: He's trying to find some ground to make healthcare less damaging, which is a smart thing to do given how big an issue it is. And Scott Walker never found that. Remember, he tried to claim he lowered premiums on Obamacare. You had to believe Ob- Scott Walker was making Obamacare work, right? Which didn't was way too complicated and wasn't believable. Same with mem- how Republican members of Congress had nothing other than. I tried to take away healthcare from 20 million people right and make it way more expensive for for seniors not eligible for medicare yet too young for that etc cetera, etc cetera. so there are places he can try it's sort of like think about world war one where is he going to build his entrenchments right he can limit the damage to health care if he makes healthcare a net positive with some targeted voters and he's decided that's going to be seniors quite clearly so that's what we have learned here I will push back slightly on the Democratic narrative about cuts to Medicare in this. Look, all this stuff about whether Medicare is going bankrupt or not bankrupt, uh, speaking of tinsel, right, ultimately the only question with Medicare, because it's always technically 10 years away from the trust fund draining out, is whether we have the money, whether it comes from the Medicare trust fund or from the general fund, to continue it. And what Trump has done with his tax cuts and the record deficits at a time of of, of economic expansion is the biggest threat to Medicare, not the accounting rules of how much money is or is not in the Medicare trust fund at a given time. And so then the Republican conspiracy, the right-wing conspiracy for the people who took over from the Party the last 40 years, literally is to defund government. And so they want Medicare to go away because we can't afford it, and they've made great progress through Reagan, Bush, and Trump in literally bankrupting the country.
2: Um, Robert, one of the things you mentioned that we don't know, but might be in this announcement might have to do with prescription drug prices. And, um, I'm curious, like, you know, obviously there's plans moving through or like maybe not moving through Congress in in both houses to address prescription drug prices. Like, uh, what do you think, you know, we could expect or like, what do you think the Republican position generally would fall short on? I mean... You know, I know Nancy Pelosi's plan like just looking here uh, includes that the federal government would be able to negotiate prices on drugs and that seems like a non-starter generally for Republicans, but do you expect that there might be anything good announced today on prescription drug prices or or do you think a Republican's position and closeness to like insurers or whoever makes anything that is like really helpful untenable?
1: I mean, you have to believe for something good that he's actually going to do Canadian drug reimportation. Mm-hmm. They can do that with executive order when, in fact, his big backers of the Republican Party, Pharma, of course, does not want that to be undercut. So it sounds like it's going to be tinsel, right? Uh, Speaker Pelosi came out with a very strong prescription drug plan that's not just Medicare. It's broader. It's the whole system. It negotiates. In addition, it ties negotiations to an international price index, so it holds pharma accountable for the fact they charge us two, three times more than what they charge for the same drug we often paid to to create through our U.S. taxpayer money uh, and charge us more here. And so uh, they asked House Speaker Pelosi at their press conference with Adam Schiff that was mostly focused on impeachment. Um, on Wednesday, uh, whether she thought that prescription drug bill and other things were dead because of the impeachment inquiry, and she just pushed back and said, "I don't see why he's still president. He claims he wants to lower prescription drug prices. He could still do this if he di- if he won't, then that's because he won't, not because we're investigating uh, you know high crimes and misdemeanors."
0: So, one other thing, uh, healthcare related, before we uh, switch topics, um, wanted to point out some bad trends that we're seeing. And, Robert, you mentioned the sabotage that's been going on broadly amongst Republicans, but really intensified. And under President Trump, it actually has real impacts. One of the things has been the cuts to just getting people enrolled and and navigators. Um, It's the second year in a row now that um, the the uninsured rate has risen in Wisconsin. And it had been steadily declining uh, since the Affordable Care Act, uh, this is very noteworthy news. Um, and this is from our this, allies at Kids Forward. Absolutely, put out this research. absolutely. And and again, this is not unique to Wisconsin. Uh, the national trend is moving this way, but it does show the impact of the sabotage of healthcare. Why this debate and discussion that somehow the system's great and we don't need to make changes and the Affordable Care Act took care of everything is is absurd, right? There's a lot of work to be done, and it explains why Trump is out with this Whoa. this this ridiculous proposal. But and
1: this is the whole conservative position, it's not just Trump, he's not an outlier, this was Walker. Their willingness, because, you know, the propaganda, we see from Trump, I mean, propaganda has been uh, pushed to the limit by the modern Republican Party as well, of literally taking people's health care away, trying to undermine coverage and access, and then campaigning on making healthcare more affordable, et cetera with a straight face, and having the arrogance and kind of the authoritarian tendency that I'm going to do what we want, but we're going to say it something else, is just appalling. And it, it degrades our whole democracy. It's part of the biggest problem we have is the do one thing, do, uh, say one thing, do another, and the arrogance of willing just to, it's a life and death issue. So the arrogance of knowing that you're driving people off of healthcare, they just that it's just numbers to them or they're such ideologues they just they don't they can't see it it's scary
0: one other thing too. Uh, it is worth pointing out Evers administration this week uh, announced that they're going to be putting a half a million into additional navigator support to sign people up for both both for the affordable care act but folks who are eligible for badger care and medicaid services to be able to get those which are really important when that's all being cut and at the federal level the and this state, is still right, stepping in
1: to should, try to replace all yeah. the money Trump has cut and the money he cut is the money that um, just makes it, makes it possible for people to know healthcare is available and get help navigating the system because we're the ones who said to him we're, uh, that it's going to be a better bipartisan compromise to have private insurance in the middle of it and these complicated plans you have to choose from. Now we're going to provide people no help in figuring that out.
0: The final bit of healthcare related news, uh, we mentioned Big Pharma. Uh, Josh Kalt did announce this week that Wisconsin is indeed pushing forward uh, against Purdue Pharma, um, and we we know the last time we talked about this that uh, uh, AG Call was very upset with the national uh, settlement, and so Wisconsin's going to continue to push forward. We'll talk more about that, but we got to move on. Before we go, I to, to break, I want to get a conversation started about impeachment again. We spent... A lot of time last week talking about it, but we didn't uh, get in too deep on our own delegation. Rebecca, I know you started to have us uh, get us into a good conversation on it, but I wanted to spend a couple of minutes, and we can definitely fill into the next um, side of uh, after the break if we need to, but I want to talk a little bit about Congressman Ron Kime because he's uh, slowly becoming a little bit of a unicorn here. I'm not going to... Uh, go nuts, but we're down to I think less than ten um, Democrats that aren't in support of of impeachment. Now in I I don't want to say in defense of kind. He he definitely has called for investigation. Is sort of taking this ground that like all of this process needs to move forward. He just I'm not I've not fully determined. I'm not sure well, what he's waiting he for. seems but to Robert. be
1: against an impeachment inquiry, but for an investigation. <laughs> So he's it's he's like pertin- a parsing of yeah. Right. Sounds
0: like a highly political position. Just <laughs>
1: get away from a word.
2: I have a separate <laughs> thing to talk about about impeachment. And I think it's quick, so I think I can. Yeah, go for it. Go eye. for it. Right. Um, so, uh, as some listeners might know, uh, Monday and Tuesday of this past week was a very important Jewish holiday. Um, you know, folks don't have their phones on. They're with family. They're worshiping um, in like you know our church and like synagogue and uh it's like imagine it's like christmas right and you don't reach out to people for work on christmas you don't bother them they're doing their thing and during that time, President Trump was lambasting one of the highest-ranking, if not the highest-ranking, Jewish member of Congress, Adam Schiff, while he was celebrating Rosh Hashanah. And then last night, I don't know if either of you saw, but Donald Trump Jr. had this outrageous tweet that I just want to super quickly read, because I think it needs, to be, it needs to be known that this is the government that we have in this country. Donald Trump Jr. said, and for those who don't know who Adam Schiff is, he is not just a radical liberal. He is someone who has been handpicked and supported by George Soros. So the layers of anti-Semitism that's coming from the very top of you know what Robert called our authoritarian government is chilling. Um, and I just wanted to like bring that into this impeachment conversation because it just like needs to be it needs to be exposed. It's really frightening.
1: Well, did you know the uh, weird packet of information that the Inspector General of the State Department delivered to Congress that? Uh, apparently was given to the White House by Pompeo in a weird White House envelope. Uh, The page that's been revealed so far by news sources to be able to see it has to do with George Soros being behind the conspiracy to blame Russia instead of Ukraine for the 2016 election interference, which has definitively been proven by the Mueller report.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to have to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about this. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action. You can find us at CitizenActionWI.org. Welcome back. We are talking about impeachment. Um, we were talking... I, I do want to allow a little space about kind, and it's not it doesn't have to be about kind, but just... I guess you'd call it the center for what's left, right? Whether it be... Um, moderate Democrats, or Republicans. Um, there one other slightly shifty thing this week, uh, oh, by the way, and that's the new Trump word for shift, shifty shift, have oh, you heard that?
2: No, I haven't heard it's, that. God. I've been too too caught up with calling Mitch Moscow Mitch. It's so.
0: good, that's a good one. I mean, I admit he's really good at those ones. So apparently shifty little shifts. Adam
1: Schiff isn't working, <laughs> yeah, so he's no, shifting. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, well, that's that what he wants to do, that he doesn't have, and by the way, that Donald Trump, the tweet you read it just it's great that it remains completely factually inaccurate that somehow shift is a lefty liberal right like he's Explicitly not. He's kind of mo- much more of a moderate, right, in a rules He's kind guy. of an old
1: national security yeah, establishment like like Democrat. Really? I know. It's like calling Leon Panetta yeah. a socialist or something. It was yeah. sh- it's
0: like, okay, well, you might as well be factually incorrect while you're being anti-Semitic. Well, right? I, it's,
1: it's the point <sighs> Pete Buttigieg makes all the time. They call us all radical socialists. We might as well. <laughs>
0: so back to the topic <laughs> at hand, though, right? So clearly there's some momentum. Since we last talked, we talked last week, it had just really sort of broke. And we were just starting to digest the testimony that was coming out from the whistleblower, actually getting a lot more correct information about what's been going on. There's also polling information that would suggest there's definitely more support for the investigation, and there's definitely more support for impeachment. Impeachment is now almost 50-50, where the investigation, or somehow Trump did something wrong, is over 50%. So there's certainly been movement in, I would say, both the general public and also legislators. We've had more Democratic lawmakers come out in support. Um, KIND remains, again, one of about eight. So uh, and then we've also had some republicans like weird stuff like grassley trying to defend the whistleblower and really push back on their effort to i mean what they're doing to Threaten the, whistleblower. The, Threaten the whistleblower the life of the whistleblower yeah. the treason charges they're charging shift with treason demanding now demanding cons- to reveal just, him and
1: to face him him or her
0: it's unbelievable like it's like i'd say it's unbelievable but it's trump it's so weird it's just um. So the public does seem to be moving, and so that does impact Ron Kind, right? Because it's got to be moving. like It's moving throughout. So Ron Kind and these Democrats are centrist Republicans. Folks' thoughts on, like, on the latest on them or specifically Ron Kind?
2: I, I mean, my thought is, like, you know, it's always frustrating when, like, on an issue, be it, like, policy or political, we have Democrats who, like— are are like operating from a position of fear and like hedging their bets and decide saying nothing or like saying very little is is the move um, but this is not this is neither a policy nor political question it is their constitutional duty our country has been first of all under attack by a foreign power for like the last several years and they are continuing to interfere in our elections we've had corruption at the highest levels where our president has been uh, trying to get a foreign another foreign nation to investigate one of his political rivals and to to the point you all just made in in return you know there are also suggestions that the whistleblower who exposed this should be this is like authoritarianism that would have chilled the bones and blood of our founders and it is just it's not a political issue and it's just like so unconscionable for any member of Congress Republican or Democrat to not say we should move ahead with this inquiry again it's an inquiry right it's not it's not saying that he will be impeached but like well you know what I mean that he would be removed from office but like this is their job and it is sacred and it's just like really um, really is very upsetting I don't know Yeah,
1: Uh, yeah let me walk through it a little bit um and I'm going to be leading the pro side of a debate, big public debate, in Milwaukee weekend after next, uh, for impeachment. So I've been thinking about impeachment in addition to us all being immersed so in the impeachment debate. Sheldon may be defending debate.
0: the unicorns by then. Uh, is that, uh, that would well? Be I'm willing to sk-
1: defend that he should have been impeached on the previous ground. So if you know, Sheldon's decide you've been pro impeachment for a and, long time, and that's time. my opponent. We're well aware of that, uh, Doctor Sheldon Wasserman, <laughs> yes. the Milwaukee County Supervisor, <laughs> uh, my you know fr- for my fr- friend and opponent. Um, it, I am friends with Sheldon, so it's not. We're not going to be. We're going to be nice. But here's the thing, right? Uh, First of all, you know, high crimes and misdemeanors seems like this, you know, uh, archaic kind of language. It actually goes back at least to the 1500s. What it referred to is not, and this is what was problematic in the previous uh, issues with Trump and impeachment. It is not about whether one committed crimes. There are courts for that. It is about a particular class of crimes, political crimes, like abuse of power, okay? And of course, laws change, right? This is not supposed to be that. They felt very strongly that you had to have something other than elections. By the way, uh, uh, someone who committed impeachable offenses could be reelected and become an authoritarian. They could shred the Constitution. So being elected, a lot of authoritarian leaders have been elected and are elected all the time, right? So it's separate from that, and it's a check, a key check and balance, right? But what's interesting about it is so. In other words, this kind of abuse of power, using the power of the presidency to get to to, to coerce through blackmail, um, a for a, a country dependent on us for its existence in many ways, to dig up dirt on a political opponent, is like black letter law, impeachable and a high crime and this misdemeanor. Okay, now of course he has a right to a defense, and that hence. What impeachment is is the uh, actual indictment, and then the Senate holds a trial, which is the actual due process, right? All we're talking about is the first stage, an inquiry as to whether or not the House should vote on whether to indict. Okay, it's it's equivalent to an indictment, though it's not necessarily it doesn't have to be a crime, right? In terms of any federal statute or state statute. Okay, uh, that's number one. But number two. The founding fathers thought was essential for to keep a republic to have the ability to remove a president for abuse of gross abuse of power, right? Official abuse of power, but also vested it in the House, the decision to indict, which is the one they designed to be closest to the people. So it was they could have put it in some council of elders or something that was politically insulated. They did not, which means public opinion does matter. And whether or not constitutional scholars ever agree that this is more impeachable than what he did before, especially the, uh, uh, what he did to try to obstruct justice, right, which is very clear in the Mueller report, and pretty clear that Mueller thought he obstructed justice but thought he couldn't indict him because of the Justice Department's policies on indicting sitting presidents. Uh, what's better about this in terms of people who, who are concerned about Trump's malfeasance and worse for Trump is the narrative is clear. It isn't as muddy. They were able to totally muddy the waters because of the complexity of the last case and because we have directly Trump doing it and the the record of the call. Right. And so it's all in public and plain view. And it seems like an abuse of power. To anyone other than the most ideological person, and we're an ideological age, so there are going to be Republicans who will never believe it right now, and senators and Congress people. So that's why kind is going to have difficulty, because the case has such a strong public narrative, it's going to be hard for him to justify not having, at first stage, an impeachment inquiry. Though it does show that he could be a swing vote on the actual impeachment, and who knows? Maybe well, that, there that is evidence, gonna be my question. exculpatory evidence for Trump here. It doesn't look like it, but we have to be open to that possibility.
0: I want your thoughts. Do you guys think this guy, kind, is going to vote for for impeachment? And this is just a process where he'll be able to say to the voters, I wanted to hear all the evidence, having heard all the evidence. Okay, now, Robert, you go first. Well, we don't know what other— No, yes, no. Yes, no. No, 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 yes, no. (laughs) Yes, no. You've had enough. Yes, no. On current facts, yes. Okay, great. Rebecca, yes, no.
2: Yes, as then he'll vote. Yes, for no. It? What, what's Yes, update? he'll end
0: up voting for okay. impeachment. John McLaughlin. Yes. yes, no, I yes. know that's what yes. I tried to do. Yes. Yes. I was like, Okay, you these progressives need a little McLaughlin. Yes, no. All right. So we're gonna <laughs> I think we're gonna move on from impeachment. We'll continue to talk about it. It's way too important an issue
1: not to. If you're gonna go full of imp- <laughs> McLaughlin, you have to say then to us wrong. Wrong.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, that's great. So one uh, one thing that I want to mention before we go to break, uh, we can spend a little more time on it. But a Sonny Purdue came to town. We got while we're talking about the Trump administration, and uh, for folks who don't know who Sonny Purdue is, it's a great name. Uh, he is the egg secretary for Donald Trump, and uh, he, he came might through. Be southern. He's definitely <laughs> southern. Um, he came through, and this is a guy who. Basically, you know, it's called farmers Whiners.
1: Um, small farmers, small farmers, not agribusiness. Yeah, they're, they're the great creators. But
0: you know, it was it's it's almost like sticking a you know something into a wound to bring this guy into the state. And and yeah, it's just because, especially given what's been going on right now. I don't want to get into the tariffs and stuff because we obviously know the tariffs aren't helping the farmers, but. You know, the biggest issue and you know, shout out to the Wisconsin Farmers Union is really raising the idea that just it's not just the tariffs that are the issue. This was a huge problem before and it has to do with the prices of milk. That's related to the fact that we are producing too much milk and we have these giant CAFOs and, and farms that we're basically, government policy encouraged them, and and certainly both the Walker administration and federally, we encourage the growth of producing more and more. And that just creates an environment that is, quite frankly, toxic and is destroying local family farms. And Purdue is completely just AWOL on this discussion at all, right? And so to have them come, have him come through at a time when we're just, we're hemorrhaging Farms and and we're hemorrhaging largely these these smaller family farms and I think for most folks when they think of Wisconsin and they think they think that they think of these folks right and and these these farmers are critical to kind of creating a real rural community and all of the 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 um the the economy that it's that also goes a way associated of life. It's with beyond them beyond the economic it's huge it's both,
1: right and w- way of yeah. living, the whole co- rural culture. I'm gonna,
0: we're going to quick take a break. We're going to come back. I want to give a, a chance to talk a little bit more on this, but uh, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. Uh, before we left, we were just talking about the visit by Sonny Purdue, And um, Robert, I know you had some thoughts, but before we... Hear from that, I just want to do a quick quote from the farmers union president um because I think it's re- really important uh, and he ra- raises the point I wanted to make, and that's darren von Ruden and he they run a fifty cow organic uh farm a dairy farm near Westby, said the mindset that's been pushed onto farmers to continually grow is ultimately pushing them out of the business as overproduction forces market prices down, right? And that's just fundamentally, they can't compete uh, with these large agribusinesses and accelerated uh, farm losses in recent years have been rippling into rural communities. Quote, this, the impact of the loss of farms and that revenue in our rural areas is reaching out to our main streets. We're losing banks, post offices, even grocery stores. The farm crisis will have lasting impacts far more than farmers who are becoming part of a uh, growing farm loss statistics each year. So, Robert, your final thoughts on this?
1: Just that, frankly, We have not had a, quote-unquote, free market in agriculture since FDR in the 1930s, okay? So this is a managed system. But Republicans and some Democrats uh, over the decades have led this kind of march towards agribusiness. And they have allowed agribusiness with its political money and influence and legions of lobbyists to completely uh, tilt the system against small farmers. And people have been moving off the land who want to stay off the, on the land, people, generations of farmers, for decades. And it's happened across the country in different agricultural sectors. And this idea that, Sonny Perdue, there's nothing we can do, this is what's happening. It's natural. It's not natural at all. This is government-created. It's about the corruption of government. And we actually could have a lot of... Families who have been forced off the land over the decades and are being forced off the land right now in Wisconsin, continuing this lifestyle and tradition, and also move, quite frankly, to more locally sourced foods, which is healthier for you anyway and t- has less transportation costs and therefore has less climate impact. And so this is absolutely outrageous, but it kind of reveals to everyone, I hope it reveals to a lot of uh, rural folks who still vote Republican under the politics of resentment because the toxic stew has made them blame other people for the decline of rural areas when it comes actually from Republican leaders who claim to be the friends of farmers but really are in bed with agribusiness. It simply wants to uh, pull out and and, uh, and and all the resources they can and then go to something else because capital is mobile, right? So this is about extraction of wealth and leaving rural co- communities to die. Hopefully,
0: uh, we'll have someone from the Farmers Union on down the road. We want to continue to talk more about this. It will be an election issue. Uh, speaking of the election, want to talk a little bit about the presidential politics. Uh, and I know, um, Rebecca, you have some things you want to tell us about what's been going on, particularly uh, with Elizabeth Warren and uh, her new labor plan.
2: So listeners will know that we tape on Thursday mornings and just a couple hours ago, uh, Elizabeth Warren released her labor plan. It's two days before a forum that's being hosted by SEIU, the Service Employees International Mm -hmm. Union, and really looking forward to, like, the substantive um, worker-centered policies that will be talked about in that forum. But uh, it's very long. It is 14 pages. It is substantially longer than both Biden and Bernie's. There are a lot of similarities um, on, like, the checklist of, of positions uh, to what Bernie has a couple minor differences, but the real difference here to me uh, from from every everyone in the field, all the other men running is uh, who have released you know a, a policy so far is just how detailed it is. And what uh, Senator Warren really does is break down what she would do on day one via executive order, what she would support in Congress, how she would fully fund things like the NLRB and the EEOC. And, you know, these different agencies that are supposed to enforce labor law, how she would push them to stop curtailing, you know, the right of federal federal workers to strike or, you know, the right of workers to, um, you know, one of the things that the the, uh, NLRB has done over the years is water down protections for workers against worker lockouts. She would reverse that. So there's a whole host of things in here. And really, um, Exciting to see things like, you know, her her plan for gig economy workers to be able to unionize, her support for sectoral bargaining, her support for domestic workers, uh, her support for um, graduate students to be employees um, who would be able to unionize. So really encourage folks to go check out this very lengthy plan. If you're a union worker, if you're a non-union worker, it's got stuff in there about wages, about the right to organize, the right to strike. Um, really very comprehensive, and uh, gives me a lot of hope that if we have a President Warren, there would be a lot of real substantial change.
0: So I'm glad to hear, I'm not surprised to hear that it's detailed, right? That's clearly something that <clears throat> is a strength of hers. Um, I want to point out that for Citizen Action, we are going to have some candidate questionnaires, Uh, That are that the presidential candidates have submitted to People's Action available for folks to our national affiliate. Yep, to be able to look at, but also want to continue to encourage folks um, to get involved and watch. We had a whole forum in Iowa um, that had a number of people, a number of Citizen Action members participating in uh, to go watch that. We're going to have three more forums coming up, including on the twentieth. Uh, in in October, also the 13th in o- October. These are Sundays. And then a Saturday, uh, the 26th. We'll have more details um, on the website around that. Also want to make a comment. Obviously, uh, we hope everything... Works out very well for Senator Sanders. The hearing about the heart situation is scary. (laughs) I mean, we've all we've all been there. So, but it sounds like everything's okay, and the procedure that he had is fairly standard and could be and should be by the time we record. Maybe up and rolling again by this weekend. So, shout out. Hopefully, everything to Sanders. Really want to make sure that uh, he's able to continue. Uh,
1: with his campaign. Robert? Yeah, it's one of the most common medical procedures out there, so we shouldn't overreact. He's a a man in his late 70s, under stress, going through something that would make a a person in their 20s would be rigorous for them. (laughs) Uh, I would want to say that following up on what uh, Rebecca said about Elizabeth Warren's uh, labor plan, it really is striking how good her plan is on that and how good Bernie's are and we need to put this in the context because some of the other plans look pretty good i've been reading through the people's action questionnaires but the big issue with a democrat president is not whether they will campaign on labor law reform but whether they will follow through and every democrat presidential candidate since truman has campaigned on it and very few Truman did try have even tried to do a darn thing about it, and therefore we've seen a decline in the middle class as a result. And so I believe Bernie and Elizabeth, I'm waiting to see if I actually believe the other candidates will prioritize it. Remember, Obama went and told Labour, you know it'll have to wait, I'm doing healthcare first, and then he of course, never got back uh, to labor law reform.
2: And and Ber- uh, Senator Sanders' plan is very good. And on the core um, issues and, and stances about, you know, the belief in the rights of workers and, and the right to organize, it's just he his plan is obviously excellent. I would say that is very true. And, you know, I try not to think about, You know what it would have been like for President Obama, who campaigned on his support for card check, if he had done that when he had Mm. the House, the Senate, and the Mm. presidency Mm. in his first most potent Mm. year. We would not have President Trump. We would have had a stronger labor movement, and we would we the outcome of the election. I 100% believe would have been different.
1: They actually thought that they had a health care plan that would not lead to polarization and would attract bipartisan support. And you saw how quickly the Chuck Grassley's of the world, who knew better, who were part of negotiating the plan, started talking about not pulling the plug on Grandma. that's in your quote. the
2: one the one thing that isn't in her plan, and I, I also don't believe is in Senator Sanders plan, is while there's support for federal workers to strike, there isn't support for what is an internationally recognized right for public sector workers to strike overall. And that there are a lot of places where public sectors are, I think illegally and not in step with like and international that, consensus allowed to strike.
1: That's a great point, Rebecca, It's kind of a, a hole in some of these plans because so as folks know, state public employees and local are under state labor law and are at the whim of legislatures, which we found out about with act 10 there doesn't seem to be a plan to deal with that per se out there, and it may be because some of the stronger blue states like California are so advanced that it's yeah. a it's a political football. Yes. Uh, but remember, there was no repeal of Act Ten so far in the Evers administration either, where there was an attempt to repeal Right to Work and uh, the and and to restore prevailing wage. And so there's a there's still a big kind of. Black hole when it comes to uh, p- public employees, state and local, in terms of labor law discussions.
2: But even, I know we don't have that much time left, but even in New York City, um, you know, a very good friend of mine, incredible organizer, is now working in the Warren campaign, which is very exciting to me, Michelle Gilliam, and she comes out of the Transport Workers Union, and they're not allowed to strike. And when they do, they get fined. Um, and that is just, again, not in accordance with I, you know international consensus. And is re- it really takes away the power of those workers to be able to effectively bargain with the state. Well, there are a
1: whole class of public employees in Wisconsin, like home care workers, working at UW Hospital. that have no right to a union. So
0: speaking of a union that still has one and is on strike, I'd like to get some information out and remind folks uh, that the strike is still going on. And um, this week, a uh, proposal was rejected, uh, local 772 continues uh, to have its pickets up in Hudson. Want to encourage folks to go to that picket. It uh, can be found at 2200 Willis Miller Drive. And a shout-out to Mandela Barnes and Patty Shackner. They're going to be out there today uh, at 4 o'clock uh, this afternoon, uh, Thursday. So, unfortunately, uh, it's, uh, before we uh, get this uh, podcast up, but we want to remind our listeners, make sure you get out and support the UAW wherever you live. With that, we got to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. We'll see you next week here from Wisconsin.